I'm still going to be preaching this morning on the Holy Spirit and about pressing in this year. And I told you that the only way you're going to really get pressed in this year and to, to be able to walk through this year and know what's going on is to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I can't go back and review because I have about 35 points this morning. And uh, I doubt I will get through them. But... Uh, I really only have one point that I want y'all to get this morning, so I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on one point, and I may preach this one point over and over and over and over and over again until I see on your faces that you got it. So if you, even if you don't have it and you just want me to move on, if you smile at me, if you look at me, if you nod your head like, yeah, that's right, then I'm going to think you got it and I'll move on. If I don't see those reactions, I will just keep preaching the one point over and over and over and over and over again, okay? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm preaching on something this morning that, I don't know, it, it seems to me it could be sensitive. Um, y'all aren't, y'all gonna love it, but uh, depending on how you're taught, because I feel like this morning that I'm fighting against 500 years of wrong teaching in the church about the Holy Spirit. And so there's things that I believe that you've been taught, things that you may have assumed, things that you, you, you just, when reading your Bible, you read, and you just thought, oh, okay, that's the way it is because of the environment you were raised in. And so you, you've, you've put stigmas, you've put labels, you've put different things on the Holy Spirit. And so uh, it, it, it's hard sometimes to open ourselves up or to let those walls come down or to to get rid of that misinformation within us to hear the truth. Now, my heart's desire this morning is to preach to you the truth. I believe some of you this morning are going to hear this message and you're going to say you've never heard it. Okay? And I'll tell you why. is because I've been in, you know, I've been pastoring for 30 years. I've been saved and loving the Lord for 37 years and just walking as hard as I can, reading my Bible, and it's new to me. It's a fresh look at something to me. It's not new like I never heard it, but it's just fresh. And I just see it in a different light than I've ever seen before about the Holy Spirit. So, you know, it's funny because, you know, I study. I, I'm looking all the time. I'm looking at other ministers and what they're preaching and what's going on. And, and, and I'm, I'm looking around, and there's some smart people out there. Man, there's some people. I mean, these dudes, man, they got a big vocabulary. They got all kinds of knowledge. They're talking. And I listen to them. I'm like, man, you know. Golly, that guy sounds smart. And I can't even listen to the broadcast. I can't even go back and listen to the broadcast looking at myself because I get so judgmental myself. I say, my God, you sound like an idiot. You just sound like a hiccup there. I mean, you, you know, this is ridiculous, Robert. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me that I'm preaching to y'all. This is a congregation he put me in. We're all the same. All of y'all got up this morning, went out and fed the pig and the chicken and the horse. And, and that's the kind of country folks that we are. So, but I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me get this message across this morning. So I want to pray right now, okay? So let's just pray. Father, I got to have the Holy Ghost help me this morning. I got to have ears open and hearts open. Otherwise, this message is just going to fall off. It's going to fall flat to the ground. They're not going to receive it. And it's so important, Lord. I just, it's changing my life 
And I want to see it change their lives, too, to help us be more like you, Jesus. And so, Lord, this morning I pray for that anointing, that no matter what I say, no matter how it comes out of my mouth, Lord, let it be the Holy Ghost that pierces the hearts of the people, and they see a revelation like they've never seen before. And, Lord, all glory goes to you in Jesus' mighty name. So here I want to start out and read a couple of scriptures. John 14, 15, that's where I want to start. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Now Jesus, our Lord and Savior, said that the Holy Spirit is going to be Not only dwelling with you, but he's going to be in you. Everybody say in me. So you wonder why churches are going astray and you wonder why people are are getting off and you wonder why people are doing things and churches and denominations are making decisions that you just look at and say, that's wrong. That doesn't line up with with God's word at all. And the reason why that is is because people are being moved today not by the word of God, not by truth, are not by the Spirit. They're being moved by emotion. They're being moved by feelings. They're being moved by intellect. They're making decisions based upon reasoning, not based upon the living Word of God. Okay? That's the reason why. This end of story, that's it. So when you find somebody that's off, some, something that's going off, You just look at it and say, well, they're not being led by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit always leads us in truth. Hello? And how can truth be opposed to God's Word? It can't. If the Spirit of truth is going to minister to you, it has to line up with the Word. If it doesn't line up with the Word, it's not truth. And it's not being led by the Spirit. Okay? Now I want to show you another scripture. Go to John 16, 7. John 16, 7. I've read this one before in the last messages, but I want to read it again. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Would Jesus lie to you? I mean, all of us, isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how all of us, we, you know, like you used to say, No, Jesus wouldn't lie to me. I mean, we're all 100% on that. You're not going to even say, Well, Jesus got up and lied to you. Right? So this is, we're all saying this is the truth then, because Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judge. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own or on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you of things to come, and he will glorify me, for he'll take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. 
So here's the first error we got to tear down. The first error we have to tear down is that we've come to a place in life because we've been taught wrong. And, and I'm telling you, this is coming from churches. This is coming from preachers. This is coming from what people have set up as their, their standard to give them truth. And they've, they've said, God the Father, yes, the creator of the world. Yes, I understand God the Father. God the Son, the Jesus, who's come into this world, who was God in flesh, died on the cross for us, rose from the dead. Yes, we understand that. And then you say, Holy Spirit, and everybody freaks. They say, oh, I didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. Because the reason why is because people have been around, and, and I'm not, listen, I'm not knocking denominations. I'm not saying this because I'm telling you, I can be as Pentecostal as anybody wants to get Pentecostal, okay? But I'm using that as a term, a phrase, not, a, not poking at denomination or anything like that. that. That you've gone Pentecostal, and then you've taken it to a scary place. Now, all of a sudden, you know, here you've got God the Father, the Creator, who loves us and made all this beauty, and Jesus, who was so glorious and so good and so loving, and then he got the Holy Ghost. Oh, watch out, man. We got wild people speaking in tongues, falling on the floor, running around, slapping people to the ground, flopping out like a fish out of water. You got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And everybody's like, whoa. And so they pull back. They pull back. That is a part of the Holy Ghost. I, I, listen to me. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, The manifestation of the Spirit was given to every man to profit with all. And then he lists the gifts of the Spirit moving. There's nothing. That, there's, there absolutely is, is the Holy Spirit. The part of him is the gifts and the flowing and the speaking in tongues and the power of God. But let me tell you something, folks. If you ever take the Holy Spirit and reduce him to that, you have limited him because you've said he's not all God. You've taken the Holy Ghost and you said, oh, oh, that's the Holy Ghost. And you've put it into an experience, a feeling, uh, 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 you know, uh, whoo, got a goose pimple chill down me my back. How's oh, the Holy Ghost? Really? God is God. God the Father is God. God the Son, Jesus, is God. And God the Holy Spirit, He is God. He's the same God. He's the same. There's nothing different. It's not like... Like, the, like when you say the helper, like he's just the foreman of heaven. Hello? You walk up to a ranch and you walk up there and you say, Hey, how you doing? And somebody hears him say, Well, he's a foreman. Hi, I'm the foreman of such and such ranch. And you say, Oh, great. Well, I'd like to speak to the owner. Where's the owner? Hello? That's not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, and forgive me, i, I got to say this one more time. Listen, I'm going to use Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit depending on how excited I get. The more excited I get, the more I'm going to use Holy Ghost because that's what I first learned in life. It comes from the, the old Greek word and, and Latin word ghost, which was translated to Greek, ghost and, you know, whatever. Okay, that was my King James upbringing. But it's the same thing. So... They, you reduce the Holy Ghost to just this experience, this little something, this little whim, this little whisper. You're, you're, you go out and you sit and you have your prayer time and say, well, God wasn't really with me today. I didn't really feel the Holy Ghost. I didn't feel any. I want to tell you you're wrong. Because he said right there, Jesus said, I want to tell you the truth. Look, I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm sending the Holy Ghost down here. He's God. He's as much God as the Father is God. He's as much God as I am God. And I'm sending him down. He's going to dwell with you and be, he's going to dwell in you and be with you. Dwell in you and be with you. God in you. 
But we reduce him. We reduce the Holy Spirit to just a feeling, a, a manifestation of something happening. Uh, you know, if you didn't see signs, wonders, and miracles that Sunday, well, then you're like, well, God wasn't there. The Holy Ghost didn't move. No. The Holy Ghost is here all the time. The Holy Ghost is dwelling in us. And he's all around us. But we don't recognize him as the Holy Spirit, as God. All right? Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Ephesians 4, 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling for which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as we are all called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One God. Now, you start trying to explain the Trinity right here. And, you know, man, you can get into all kinds of things. You can have all kinds of discussions. You can talk about the, 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 the use the example of the egg. You can use the example of different, different things. Listen to me. I'm not even going to get into that. I'm just telling you there's one God. We see manifest in three parts. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's as much God as Jesus is God. You've got to get this straight. He's not some whim, some whisk, some breeze. Although, he could manifest that way. It's God. The creator. Your heavenly father. Who loves you so much. Now, y'all all said, Jesus wouldn't lie to you, right? Right? Y'all said, I said, would Jesus lie to you? Y'all said, no. Let me ask you this question. Whether you have the real revelation of it or not. Let me ask you this question. Does God love you? I mean, is it not probably universally known God loves you? Right? Well, then if the Holy Spirit is God, then that means the Holy Spirit loves you. As much as Jesus loved you to go to the cross and die for you, as much as the Heavenly Father loved you so much that He would send the Son, the Holy Spirit down here on this earth with you loves you. Now, when I was growing up, you know, I wasn't the I wasn't a bad kid. You know, I wasn't a troublemaker, I wasn't a thief and all that, but I, I was kind of rambunctious. And I remember, I'm not gonna say the person's not alive, the teacher's not alive, but anyway. But she was a she was one of the old-fashioned school teachers, you know. And it's always funny looking at it in age, she was younger than I am. But you thought she was ancient, right? And she had that ruler. Man, she could wield that ruler like a, like a swordsman. And she would walk around the room while we were doing our homework. And, man, if you weren't doing it right, you know, or you were causing trouble or you were messing with her horse, man, you got the ruler. And she'd tell you, turn your hand over like that, and she'd pop you with that ruler. Man. I mean, it was severe, I thought. 
So we had a fear of her, right? Not really a fear of her. We just had a fear of getting caught. But we knew what she would do if we got caught. All right? And so a lot of people feel that way about the Holy Spirit. Because you've been taught and you've been, it's been spoken, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Oh, my gosh, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're going to hell. And they have all this. And so everybody's like, ah, don't know how to handle the Holy Spirit. Don't know how to, 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 to be able to function with him because they're scared of him like I was the teacher with the ruler. Let me read something else to you. 1 John 5, 6. 1 John 5, 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but also by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. Now, didn't John say over in the Gospel of John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, but then the Word came to the earth, and He was manifest, and we called Him Jesus? So is that not saying there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? And these three are one. Huh, they're one. They're not three, they're one in three persons. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. There's one. Hello? Now, the definition of spirit in that, out of 1 John, the definition of what does it mean, spirit? You know, because I'm not talking, listen to me, get this, get this understanding. The second thing that people have been taught is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is just like, like if I say, uh, you, you parents do this with your children, you know? The kid's acting up, and the parent says, he's acting just like you. He's of the same spirit as you are. Hello? Meaning, you know, he's got the same disposition or the same personality or whatever. That's not what this is talking about. Don't, don't reduce the Holy Spirit to say he's just a personality of God. No, he is God. Don't think, well, yeah, see, that's God. He's just, you know, yeah, that's, that he's like God. No, he is God. That's the second thing that's been taught wrong, saying that the Holy Spirit is just the spirit, just the personality of God you're seeing here on earth. No, he's not. He's God. He's God that's in you and with you. You go look at the definition. It means this. It means the personality and character of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes referred in a way which emphasizes his work and his power. In other words, the spirit of truth. He's emphasizing his, his, what his you know, workings are. But he's never referred to as the depersonalized force. So you can't say, when you see Holy Spirit written in there, you cannot say, oh, well, that's just the essence of God. That's just the fragrance of God that's just the personality of God is the Holy Spirit no he's not it is he is God you with me it's been taught wrong so people have gotten all these concepts in their mind and saying well I don't think that's God because they saw something happen 
And they're looking at it as, as spirit in that sense, like the personality of. No, the Holy Spirit is God. He is God, okay? Now, Ephesians 4.30. I get back to my schoolroom. Ephesians 4.30. says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave us. So here's the next one. That has been a, a, a false teaching. It's an erroneous teaching talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. And you say, and, and a person has been taught that if you do anything that grieves the Holy Spirit, then he's going to leave you. He's not going to be there with you. That he didn't have to put up with you. Now, just hear what I'm saying now. You've got to get this. You've got to get this. Right? The Holy Spirit is God. Right? Absolutely God. And we all agreed that God loves you. So then the Holy Spirit absolutely loves you. Do you know that you're not grieved about a situation unless you love in that situation? Think about this. Your child does something. I'll use children here as, again as an example. Your child does something that, that uh, you know, I don't know, that gets thrown in jail. Just pick a biggie. And he gets thrown in jail. And if you, you love your child, and you don't want your child in jail, and what would you say? I was grieved because my child was hurting or my child was in jail. Or let's say, let's take sickness. He's sick, and you're grieved, you're hurting. Why? Because you love them, and you don't want them to be hurting. Or you don't want them to be going the wrong direction. You're grieved, but why are you grieved? You're grieved because you love them. Somebody you don't even know of, you just read the article, somebody got put in jail. You're like, oh, huh. so-and-so got put in jail. You didn't get grieved because you didn't love them. Y'all follow me here. You're grieved because you love them. The Holy Spirit gets grieved because he loves you so much. He's not sitting back like the teacher with the ruler wanting to smack you when you're doing wrong. He's not saying, I'm going to put up with that. I'm leaving. No, he loves you. And he gets grieved when you start going the wrong direction. When your thoughts don't line up with the thoughts of God, when your ways don't line up with the ways of Jesus, when you start getting off and you start going down the wrong path, the Holy Spirit gets grieved because he loves you and he doesn't want you to go down that path. Don't go down there. Don't go down there. Don't go down there. Not because he's saying, now look, you're going to act up. You're going to act right because this is the way you're supposed to do because that's what the Bible says and you're going to do it. No, he knows it's the best answer for you. He knows that that's where your happiness is. He knows that that's where your peace is. That's where your joy is. That's where the victory is over here in this route. And you grieve the Holy Spirit when you don't do it. That's 
That's what grieving the Holy Spirit is. Grieving the Holy Spirit is when you're sitting around having depressing thoughts and won't take on the thoughts of God. When he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, look what he says. By whom you are sealed in the day of redemption, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you. See, he's saying, don't do that because that grieves the Holy Spirit. Not that the Holy Spirit's going to say, I ain't having nothing to do with you. I'm not, I'm just, we don't deal in that kind of stuff. Like a pious, you know, religious, old, prudish person that says, oh, that's just, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. No, he's, he loves you. And the Holy Spirit's crying out, oh, don't go down there. Don't no, stop, stop. He's putting, doing everything he can, but he's not going to violate your free will. He's not going to come upon you and make you go the right direction. But he's grieving and doing everything he can to keep you from going down that path because he knows if he goes down that path, it's not going to bring you happiness. So you grieve the Holy Spirit. That's what grieving the Holy Spirit is. Now, blaspheming the Holy Spirit means that you have denied him. You don't want him in your life. Now, how can you deny something and not want it in your life unless you have had it in your life? I had a person one time come to a counseling session years ago, and they were sitting there, and they were saying, look, I'm, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. I think I'm damned to hell. I said, Really? They said, yeah. I said, my goodness. That's terrible. And I just kept playing it like this. I said, that's terrible. Going to go to hell. Yeah. I don't want to go to hell, but I'm going to go to hell. Because I blaspheme the Holy Ghost. I said, really? You don't want to go to hell? No, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I said, why do you want to go to heaven? Because I want to be there where God is. And I want to be with Jesus. I love Jesus, but I've messed up across the line. I blasphemed the Holy Ghost. I didn't know what I was doing. I blasphemed the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to go to hell. I said, man, got some good news for you. I said, you're not going to hell. What do you mean? I did this. And I said, said, the Holy Ghost was, was trying to get me to do something. I didn't want to do it. I told him no. I said, oh. I said, well, let me just tell you something. For a person to have blasphemed the Holy Spirit, they do not want God in their life. So then if you really, truly blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you would be sitting here saying to me, I don't want to go to heaven. I don't like God. I don't want to be with Jesus. And they're like, really? I said, yeah, that's what the scripture says. If you want to go to heaven, you want to be with Jesus, you want to talk to him, you want him in your life, you have not blasphemed the Holy Spirit because you have had to, had to know him to deny him. And they're like, thank you, preacher. I like that. I said, now start living for God. Repent and go on. But to grieve the Holy Spirit, it's not like you sinned and so I've grieved the Holy Spirit. You know, he's mad at me now. He's not talking. It's not like a marriage where you made the wife mad, you know, and she's not talking. See, I can't use that illustration the other way because, see, the husband doesn't even know he did anything. So he's still talking. 
Watch for supper. You okay? We ain't got no sense. That's... So, so grieving the Holy Spirit is simply, you, you, he's, he's grieved because he doesn't want you to go that direction. So, yes, you may feel something in your spirit. You may feel a check in here. You may feel something that doesn't feel right. You may feel like you're out of step. You're not going right. Something's wrong. Your shoes are on the wrong feet. Something doesn't feel right. You're taking a shower with your clothes on. It just something's not right. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is grieved. He's trying to say, turn. He didn't leave you. He just knows you're going the wrong direction. That's when you stop and you say, okay, I'm doing something wrong. What? 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 Okay, Father, I'm sorry. I start. Re- hey, that's what we do, don't we, as husbands? So I don't know what I did, but I'm sorry for it all. <laughs> Whatever I did, just. Yeah, just give it to me. I mean, forgive me, right? You do the same thing with God. Just go to God and say, look, something's wrong. I, I don't feel uh, right with the Holy Spirit. It's, and, and so, Father, I want to get back in flow here. I repent, Lord. I want to do what's right. Show me what's wrong. Boof! Holy Spirit's right back here. He never left, really, but he's just right back in sync. Why? Because now you're thinking and talking Holy Ghost. Because he's God. Y'all follow what I'm saying here? This is the one point I really want you to get this morning. We've got to get out of this thing of thinking, oh, we did something, the Holy Ghost, he left. I mean, he's not even in the car anymore. <laughs> flew off. <laughs> you know, he's like a dove. <laughs> Just flew off. Scared him. No, no, he gets grieved because you're not going the right direction. That's when we, this is when we're learning. Hear what I'm saying to you, church. This is when we're learning to walk and be led by the Holy Spirit is when he's grieved and we sense it on the inside. We stop and we say, wait a minute. I don't want to go. I don't want to do what's wrong. And we pray and we repent. We get back right with God, get our thinking right, get everything. Oh, I'm sorry. I see. Yeah, I was thinking about going out there and just beating so-and-so up. That's not the thoughts you want me to take. Those are thoughts of anger and wrath, and those are not the thoughts I should be taking. So I was getting off. Forgive me, Lord. Bless them. Love them. I pray for them. Bless them today. All of a sudden, now the Holy Spirit's back. Whoosh, yeah, yeah. We're going the right direction. We're going the right direction. And everything gets to moving, and everything gets to flowing. This is the first elementary things that we should have always learned about the Holy Spirit not jumped in the deep end on the Pentecostal end of things, tried to lay hands on everything that moves, speaking in tongues, flopping around. If they didn't fall, trip them. You know, man, you're going to take it, taking courtesy dips for people, you know, just because you didn't want to feel bad, so you fell too. Come on. This is where we reduce the Holy Spirit to, and he's God. When we should have been looking at this at the very first and saying, oh, I want to be sensitive. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to walk very Tenderly with you, Lord, I want to just take it one step at a time so I can just keep flowing with the Holy Ghost and keep moving. I don't want to grieve you. Then the rest is going to come later, but you got to get this down first. I've seen preachers do all kinds of strange things like, you know, like can't go preach unless you tapped your Bible three times or something. You know, it's all like gets it into hocus pocus. Holy Spirit in hocus pocus. Listen to me, the Holy Spirit 
is, is God, and he loves me. Hear what I'm saying today. I'm not ashamed of the Holy Spirit at all. Holy Spirit is, is God, and he loves me. He's working with me all the time. And the gifts of the Spirit can be understood and walked in once you understand this relationship with God of what he's done for you. Am I making sense? So, how do you cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit? An error that was always taught, well, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get to the ability to speak in tongues, and then you speak in tongues all the time, you're cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I say, no. You took one little part, one little piece, and you're trying to build your whole life on it. Let's take the whole thing. All right? I want to tell you how you, the very first way that you build a relationship with the Holy Spirit is you do what Jesus did, okay? You talk to your Heavenly Father. You have compassion for others. You spend time in God's Word. Right? I mean, just do what Jesus did. If anybody knew how to flow in the Holy Ghost, Jesus did. Hello? So... You're going to do what Jesus did. You're going to help build God's kingdom, not yours. You're going to have generosity in your heart. See, when you start walking in the, and I hate to use the word things, but I don't have a better vocabulary word for it. When you start walking in the things of God, the principles of God, okay, then the Holy Spirit's with you. When you're praying, the Holy Spirit's there. You want to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, you need to be a person of prayer. You need to be a person who reads the word because he's the spirit of truth. And if this is truth, then how could you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit if you don't know what the truth is? If you don't know what the truth says, you don't know what the Bible says, you don't spend time in it every day reading it, searching the scriptures, digging at it like a, like a chicken trying to pick up scratch. If you don't do that, then how in the world is the Holy Spirit going to be able to have a relationship with you? Because he's going to have a relationship in the word. Because Jesus is the word. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit's going to do everything he said. And reveal to us things he said. And is saying in heaven. You got to understand something. See, I'm not against prophecy. Because it's very plain to me that in, 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 in John 16, that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to us things that he is being said in heaven. Not just the things he said on earth are got written down. So that means the ongoing conversations taking place in heaven, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us. And there are people who are, are, are given to that to, in the spirit of prophecy that are, are spot on. But if I saw a prophet, and I was visiting with a prophet, and he said, yeah, I don't read the word much. I don't, you know, have much to do with that. I mean, you know, Bible's got issues. And I'd say, dude, you're a false prophet. Because I don't care who you are. If you don't love the word, you're not going to flow in the things of God. I was reading, I've been preaching on Wednesday nights out of the book of Jeremiah. And I was just reading this week where, where uh, Jeremiah tells them all, said, look, don't, just because the city's been destroyed and all, and all that you were left here by the king of Babylon, stay here. 
in the city is what God says, and, and don't go to Egypt. And they all said, you're a false prophet, and they all left and went to Egypt and all got destroyed. And I'm like, you stupid idiots. Everything that man said, Jeremiah said, came to pass. Then he says something, you all say, he's a false prophet. I'm like, you're dumb. You are just, just stupid to not believe the man that has prophesied everything that came to pass. But they don't have anything to do. People don't want anything today to do with the word. I'm just like, come on, folks. It's not even a debate. I don't even understand why, why churches are spending time and, and literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. I, I, I read about this church the other day. It took five years for them to come out whether they should, the, the church was going to agree with same-sex marriage or not. And that they had spent, you know, $250,000 on this council over the past five years coming to the conclusion that they'd come to. And I was like, you could have given me the two fifty. dollars I could have rescued a bunch of orphans. And I'd have told you in about 30 seconds what the Bible says. What is the matter with you people? We could have rescued kids, you know. We could have done some good. Than a bunch of old scholars sitting around trying to come up with reasoning and not being led by the Holy Spirit. And then they came out with a decision that was right. And so I said, way to go. The next day, the next day, they put out a public statement repenting and asking for forgiveness for this decision that they had made. I was like, well... This money gone to waste. You could have given it to me. The second thing you're going to have to do, okay, the first thing is you're going to get your thinking like Jesus. You want the Holy Spirit to be following you? Okay, the second thing is you're going to have to recognize the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity as God sent down to you. So you've got to understand he's God sent down to you. So now you're thinking the right thoughts. Now your mind has to be thinking about that God is with you. Now, here's something that you're going to either like it or you're not. There's no gray area here. And for heaven's sakes, do not look down at the floor or get a shocked look on your face because then I know I'm going to nail you, okay? So if you want to play this cool, just keep smiling and looking up like, yeah. <laughs> it's good, preacher, even if inside of you are saying, ah! Okay, in your life, is there anything you would want to clean up before Jesus came to visit. I'm talking physically was going to come to your house and come walk through it and check your drawers out and everything. Visit your house. See what you're doing. Is there anything that you would want to get cleaned up before Jesus came to visit? Okay? All right. So you feel okay. You feel pretty secure that that's not going to happen because Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. Huh? <laughs> so you feel pretty secure that Jesus just ain't going to show up at the house, knock on the door, and you go, ooh. Right? Oh, but we forgot about the Holy Spirit who's always with you and in you. God walking in the middle of your house. Okay, let's just... Because see, y'all are, some of y'all are like, yeah, well, I didn't. 
Okay, so let me ask you this question. If you had, if you had guests over and you all were having a little party, you know, nothing unrighteous, just having a nice little party at your house and enjoying yourselves and talking and all that, and, and, and your wife said something to you that kind of made you mad, would you get in a knockdown drag out right in front of your friends in the house? I mean, I guess some of you say, yeah, man, we've had all done. But, I mean, wouldn't there be a little bit of something holding you back to not just act the fool right in front of your friends? Hello? Turning tables over and all that kind of stuff like that. Right? There's something checking you on the inside. You may be thinking about when you get to the house, you're going to say something, but you wouldn't right there in the middle of the party throw down. Okay? Well, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing to you. He's with you and in you. And if you get this, if you get this understanding and the thought that Holy Spirit is always with you and you're walking very gingerly in life, then I want to tell you something, folks. You're going to clean your life up. And you're going to start to live a, for a lack of better words, maybe a more holy life or a more righteous life. You're not going to be sitting around bad-mouthing people. You're not going to be sitting around in unforgiveness and talking bad about this and doing this and judging that. And you're not going to get into that kind of stuff because the Holy Ghost is sitting there. The third thing you've got to do is you've got to start looking for His direction. If you want to cultivate this relationship with the Holy Spirit, you've got to start asking for His direction to lead you and guide you. And you've got to start asking for His direction and then listen for it. I remember one time I was trying to, I don't remember exactly what it was I was trying to fix. I was trying to fix something. And the whole time I keep trying to fix it, inside of my head, inside of me, I keep hearing, turn the part over. And I keep arguing with myself, that won't do any good if I turn the part over, it isn't going to do anything. It doesn't work. And then I kept trying, and then I hear, turn the part over. And I just said, that's just ridiculous, it ain't going to work. And finally I said, all right, I'll turn the part over. And I flipped the part over, and that baby just went to functioning just perfectly. And I was like, that was you the whole time trying to give me direction. And I'm sitting here arguing, thinking I'm smarter than you are. So when you're baking and you... You reach in the cabinet and you got what you thought was the flour. And you hear that little check on the inside, that's the salt. You better listen. Ask for his direction. Ask for his direction when everything, in everything that you're doing. You're going to go, you know, you're going to the store to buy something. Ask the Holy Spirit about it. Look for his direction. You may find the greatest deals you've ever seen. But if you're not asking for his direction... He's not going to force it on you. So if you want to cultivate this relationship, you've got to start asking for direction. And then the fourth thing is, is you have to keep godly thoughts. And what I mean by that is you have to keep your mind in faith. Right? Right? You have to keep your mind in the things of God and good things. My wife was telling me about something she had watched, and I'll probably botch this all up. But anyway, it was a, it was a, a person talking about that if you sat, and I, I'm just painting with a broad brush here, but it was if you sat and you imagined yourself, imagined goodness, imagine what it would be to like 
to be prosperous or imagine what it would be like to be generous or imagine what it would be like to be loving. And you imagine that. And so you, you, you closed your eyes and you literally imagined it. You saw it playing out in your mind how you went to the store and you smiled at the person and then somebody over there needed some money and you gave them some money. You sort of you did this in your mind. That literally you created new neuron paths. And if you would keep doing this after a while, then that's just the way you would start to operate because you literally have imagined it and your mind doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. So, take it in reverse. You sit around and you imagine all the bad things. You imagine everything's going bad. You imagine everybody's after you. You imagine that, that you know... It's always going to be hard. You're going to go to town today. You're going to run across grumpy people. Everybody's going to be yelling at you. Some probably rock going to break my window. You're just imagining this is all you imagine. Then that's what your mind has set you up for, and that's what you're going to walk in. So if you get hold of your thought life and get it into a place that it's godly, it's full of faith. Hebrews 11, 6 says, it's only faith that pleases God. So you're saying, well, God, I just thank you today because you're in me and over me and around me and surrounding me. And you're here and Holy Spirit, you're here. And Jesus, you're at the right hand of the throne of God. Then I thank you today, Lord is blessed. You're going to lead me and guide me. God, you've got this under control. The devil is not winning. And you start to have that thought life like that. Then the Holy Spirit can work with you and you can cultivate that relationship. Hello? Now, Christy, do you have that thing back there? Now, here's my 25 points. I just That was introduction. Here's my 25 points. <laughs> okay, I wrote these down, and I guess we can leave them up, and you can just uh, jot them down or whatever. Maybe we'll get some cards printed out next week and have them up. But I just wrote down 25 things. I literally, look, this is, uh, this is how I did it. Let me just tell you, you can go do it yourself. I just got the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance out. That baby's about that big. It's an impressive book. Throw that thing down, turn to the page that said Holy Spirit. And just went down the line. Every scripture that had Holy Spirit in it. And look at this. Acts 1-2 says, through the Holy Spirit, commandments are given. So the Holy Spirit's giving commandments. 15, verse 15, I mean, yeah, verse 15 says that he baptizes believers. Acts 2-28 says the Holy Spirit, he's a gift. He's a gift to you. Why in the world would you... If the Holy Spirit is a gift to you, why would you not want the gift? Okay? And in Acts 4, 8, he's the one who fills believers. In 5, 3, can't be lied to. Now, I was thinking about this. That's the story where Ananias and Sapphira come in there. You know, and they, they conjured up that scheme so they'd look good in front of the people, that they gave all the portion of the land, but they... Nobody asked them to give anything. They were not under obligation to give a dime. Hear me. They did it because they wanted to look good in front of people. But they didn't really want to give it all. But they wanted everybody to think they did give it all. So they sold the portion and they kept back part of it. Holy Ghost knows what's going on all the time. Why? Because he's now poured out over the believer. So the Holy Ghost is sitting there saying, well... There's wickedness within your heart of your wanting to do this. So then it's been taught that the Holy Ghost killed them right there. But I'm telling you, he didn't. He loved them right there. He was grieved beyond grief saying, don't do it, Ananias. Just 
keep the part that you want. Don't do it. Don't go do this, Ananias. And Ananias lied in the situation. And see, we've taught before that then the Holy Ghost killed him right there. Well, you're dead. But how do we know at that moment, at that second? Listen, how do we know that at that moment and that second that Ananias didn't have a revelation of what he did? And his heart stopped because he knew what he had done. While the whole time the Holy Spirit said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But he did it. Acts 7.51, the Holy Spirit can be resisted. All of us have resisted the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? All of us have resisted the Holy Spirit. He wanted us to do something. We didn't want to do it. Wanted us to play the piano. We didn't want to do it. I just used that. That wasn't anything pointed. Look at this, Acts 9.31. He's going to bring comfort. He'll bring you comfort. The Holy Spirit will bring you comfort. Acts 10.38. He is the power of God, though. So, come on. If you want something, you want the power of God. Matter of fact, Jesus says, go and tarry in Jerusalem to you be endued with power from on high. The power of God. Yeah, something you need to be filled with and have on you. Uh, 11.15 says he fell on them. Sitting in a congregation just like this, Peter's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on everybody. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in tongues. In 13.2, it says he separates men for service. In other words, he knows what needs to take place and what is going on in the body of Christ. And so he says he separated men for the service of the gospel. 13.4 says he gives direction. He gives direction. 15.28. And then it says he reasoned what was right. The Holy Spirit, listen to me. You got to understand something. In the working of the church and the things that go on here, I spend a lot of time asking the Holy Spirit, what is the plan? What do you want done? Because I know that if I do it, it'll kill me. Not the Holy Spirit. I just know that the stress of trying to do the job, it will kill me. But if I know what the plan of God is and I'm walking in his plan and I'm just the vessel he's fulfilling going through in my life, then he's going to be working through it and everything's going to get taken place and he's going to get taken together. It's going to get just fixed. But if I try to do it on my own because it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit, it'll kill me. In Acts 16, 6, he says no to the decisions of men. Paul and Silas said they want to go over here. We're going to go over here. And the Holy Ghost said, no, don't go over there. Go there, over here. He's giving direction. He's saying, no, don't do that. In 19, 2, says he can be received. In Acts 20, 23, he's a witness. He's a de declaring of Jesus. In Acts 20, 28, he puts overseers in place acts 28 25 he speaks through men 
One day I was with my buddy Dwayne, and somebody came up to me and asked me kind of a difficult question. And I said, in response to it, I, I, I said, I, I, I told him something. And we got back in the truck and leaving, and he said, you know, those are times like that that I know God is in you. And I said, what do you mean? He says, because you ain't smart enough to have known that. I said, absolutely true. Absolutely true. I ain't smart enough to have known that, and it was the Holy Ghost speaking through me. Now, in Romans 15, 16, he says he's the one that sanctifies the believers. In other words, when the Holy Spirit's on you, he's causing you to walk righteously, walk thinking God's thoughts and all this. And so he's, it's also causing a sanctification, a cleansing on the inside of you. In 1 Corinthians 2.13, he teaches. In 2 Corinthians 13.14, it says you can have communion with him. Now, that means sitting and having fellowship and communion. And the, can, you, can you hear what I'm saying? The same spirit in Genesis 1 that hovered over the face of the earth when it was without form and void and there was darkness on the face of the earth and brought about life on this earth wants to talk to you. It's called the Holy Spirit. He wants to commune with you, fellowship with you, and talk to you. <sighs> but we reduce it to, that's the Holy Ghost moving. I feel hot. Temperature may cut down. Titus 3 5, he renews your life. He literally. The Holy Spirit upon you, it causes your life to be renewed. 2 Peter 1.21, he actually can move people into action. In 1 John 5.7, some scripture I gave you, he is God. In Jude 20, the Holy Spirit can pray through you. And then 1 Corinthians 12.7, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. The, the, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to all men, a prophet with all that operates the gifts through men. All right? So what I've tried, endeavored to do today was to try to get you to just change and, 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 and just maybe take what I've taught you today and put it in the front and what you knew about the Holy Spirit and put it in the back. In other words, quit making the Holy Spirit all about just the gifts and the this and that and the other. And let's look at who the Holy Spirit is and start to take your everyday life and start to cultivate this relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, old school Pentecostals always taught that you could not receive the Holy Spirit. You, you, you weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit unless you spoke in tongues. And then they taught that there, you weren't baptized in, 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 to speak in tongues unless you tarried at the altar. Because they used the scripture as a literal term that they went and they tarried and they received the Holy Spirit. So you had to tarry. But I'm telling you folks, if you'll turn this around... And you'll just understand how much God loves you. And you'll understand that God is, that the Holy Spirit is God. And that he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to commune with you. And you'll take time to start cultivating this relationship. Then all the rest is going to make sense. But if you start out on the other end, trying to, you know, operate in the gifts of the Spirit before you even know that it's God... You're going to get really messed up. And that's why there's so many crazy, wacky people. It's the truth. 
I don't like to be around them. You know, it's like I've been in meetings before when I was sitting there praying, saying, Holy Ghost, help me here, because I, I really, I'm going to hit that guy if he comes over here. This ain't right. And I'm sitting there saying, I'm wrong by thinking that, but I, I need some help here because this is making me nervous and I ain't liking it. Been in barroom fights that were more organized in some churches. <clears throat> My point being, folks, I'm, I'm telling y'all as, as the body of Christ here, let's seek to have this relationship. Let's seek to have this communion with the Holy Spirit. Quit being scared. Sit down and have this time that you're, you're fellowshipping and coming to the realization of, of the Holy Spirit and who He is over your life. Start talking to Him all the time. I wake up every morning, and there's a, there was a book uh, written by Benny Hinn, and I, 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 I'm not saying anything one way or the other about Benny. <clears throat> But he wrote the book, and the title of the book always stuck with me. I don't know that I read the book, but the title did. It was Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And I started every morning. I have a, my routine. I wake up in the morning and go make me some coffee and then go shave and comb my hair and do all this stuff. Then I go outside, and I go feed the animals. And so I walk out every morning, and, and I, as soon as I get outside and I'm out where I can see everything, and I say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I thank you you're with me today, and I start out my day. And I, you know, that's me. You don't have to do that. But I'm just saying, you've got to cultivate a relationship. And the way I start out my, whenever I meet somebody, I say, hey, how you doing? I've even said that, but I feel kind of stupid. Like, how you doing this morning, Holy Ghost? I said, well, I guess you're doing good. You're always doing good, aren't you? <laughs> and I get this feeling that he's sitting there just like, good gosh. But I mean, he didn't smoke me, you know, and just. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, you've got to cultivate this relationship. And as you start to do this, listen, your world's going to begin to open up. The scriptures are going to open up to you like you've never seen before. The Holy Spirit is going to begin to illuminate things that you've never seen before. But you may get those little quickenings of, hey, don't think that. Don't say that. You may have been raised and you may have been saying in your mouth, I'm so stupid. And the Holy Ghost says, don't say that. Well, that's just what everybody said in my family. Well, stop it. You may go to the Holy Spirit and ask him, say, Holy Spirit, what should I do? And he said, just stop it. But he loves you. And you just watch what happens. I'm telling you, folks, your whole world's going to open up. Everything's going to change. You're going to look over that. That, that hunk of a man's going to walk in your house that you've been mad at, and you're just going to bat your eyes and say, oh, my gosh, look how awesome he is. Look at him. I like the way he struts, and he's going to look on and say, what's, what's the matter with you? And you're going to say, I just love you. And he's going to say, okay, what I do? Nothing. No, go ahead and tell me. I know we did something. 
I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, man, is amazing. Amen? Amen. Well, stand to your feet if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down? For those of you out watching and everybody else that's just listening here, listen to me. Jesus loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you. He is God. And wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, listen to me. He wants to minister to you. But the very first thing you need to do is make a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Listen, don't just know about Jesus. Have a heart that yearns to be with Jesus. Have a heart that yearns to do what's right. And as you understand it, that, that, that he is the Son of God and he died for your sins and your heart yearns for him, right there if you would cry out and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross for me. Right then, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will come upon you and you will be saved. Wow. Wow. It's the most amazing thing in the world. For God to take you and then turn you around 180 degrees and get you headed in the right direction because you got saved. So if you're out there and you're listening to this right there, call upon the name of Jesus and you will be saved. If you're in the building here today and you're not sure, you're not sure you're right with God. You're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. That's why we have prayer team people up here to come pray for you and to help you and administer to you. Because you need that assurity in your heart. You need the assurity of having the Holy Spirit with you. And so that's why they're here. So if you need that, then as soon as I dismiss, come up and pray with them. If you need to just pray for somebody or you need just help in your life, that's why they're here. And so use them this morning. Call upon them and the gifts of God on the inside of them for whatever you have need of. Amen? So let me bless you. Now, Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I just declare that as we go today, and we go out into the world. We're not going alone because we're going with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask you to just, as, as everyone thinks and, and, and meditates along these lines and calls upon you for communion, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you just flood upon them. That right now, I just believe you that, that when they go home, there's just an increase in their homes, an increase of, of the anointing all over them. Lord, a, a revelation every time they pick up the word, it just, they, it just comes alive to them. They can see the errors of their ways and the errors of their thinking that has grieved the Holy Spirit. And for that, Lord, we repent. We ask you to forgive us. And Holy Spirit, teach us what we should be doing. So, Lord, bless them today. And as we go out in this world, Lord, let us be blessings to everyone we come across. And tell them about Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.